0: Glory. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is how podcasts grow. Also, give us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and join our Facebook discussion group. I am Kirk Haberman, a church musician and newly freed teacher as of a couple of hours ago. And this is my brother, Chris, a rather erudite priest and just a good old man about town.
1: Christopher, how are you? Kirk, I'm great. But you know that because we were just hanging out this past weekend.
0: I, we were in
1: Louisville, Kentucky,
0: Louisville, Louisville.
1: And it was great. It was a fantastic little trip down there. Yes. Kirk, what were your highlights of, of uh, the weekend in Kentucky?
0: Uh, I mean, the wedding lest we say anything before we say the wedding Our our one of our younger cousins, um, Leslie was married and it was great. It was lovely. Kentucky Derby themed, so the ladies all had fascinators, the men all had fedoras. There were colorful dresses and suits. Um, it was warm, but not yet oppressively Kentucky summer warm. So that was that was great. Uh, there's so many highlights. Just seeing people. Uh, one of the fun things we did, of course, was Churchill Downs. Mm-hmm. So we did. We got we got some got some horse racing in. Uh, horse racing is, it's great. Horse racing is, let me tell you a different story so I can tell you what horse racing is. <laughs> Every time when I'm coaching Little League Baseball or helping Little League Baseball and you, uh, you see, you hear thunder or see storm clouds on the horizon or see a front or feel a kind of a wind blowing in, nothing turns a gaggle of dad's into like meteorologist
1: <laughs> amateur meteorologist,
0: like 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 being in a little league baseball
1: uh, it looks it looks like it's going the other oh, way it's going to pass north of us
0: great confidence <laughs> like like ju- judging the wind using north by northwest like directions and in uh, barometric pressures and it looked like this two weeks ago and yeah yeah so nothing creates in Im- sudden experts like horse racing Mm, Within an hour of being there, um, all of our children were examining past results, eyeing the horses up beforehand, looking at the odds, the odds changing, um, looking at their relative speeds in different races, um, their, their, their orders of finishes, and making very confident pronouncements. Having Just three think. hours previously known absolutely <laughs> nothing about the matter.
1: Just think how much money we could have made, Kirk, oh. had we stayed for oh. every single race. We would have been
0: experts by 6
1: p.m. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. But, alas, we can't quit our day jobs.
0: No, no, no. I lost $6. Lost $7. <sighs>
1: And uh, we got a chance on Sunday to hang out with our uh, at our Uncle Mike's new house, new to us. I mean, Mm. they've been there for a while, but like it's on a a quarry, and it was it was fun. It was it was just like paradise for our kids. Uh, There's a swimming beach, there's kayaking, and so each of our kids were kayaking all over the place, and it was just that was fun to watch. And Kirk, you got in the kayaking action as well.
0: Yeah, and this is this is the great thing about Southern Indiana or Kentucky. Um, It was Memorial Day, and we were swimming and it was great which as a born and bred minnesotan that is we
1: swam memorial pretty, day Kirk. pretty
0: laughable
1: yeah. uh, we have swam a memorial kids. day
0: not comfortably yeah like your body ends up feeling like a sleeve that is like like you have an exoskeleton or something how
1: much swimming do you think our kids got in that 24 hour period cuz we swam in the pool we oh. went to went to the beach and the kids swam more and then we went back to the hotel and the kids swam a lot of swimming, more.
0: a lot, of, a lot swim. of swimming. It was good. Yeah,
1: you, can you transition from swimming to the spirit? Can, can you, can you go there from, from water to, to wind?
0: Well, I mean, it, Christopher, I guess we could say this. Um, it was a, it was a lot of, a lot of swimming and, um, and sometimes when you've been swimming long enough, you don't even notice you're in water. The water comes, it goes, it passes over you. You don't notice mm-hmm. it. Um, the, the spirit, like a rushing wind, um, can come and go as you don't even notice it. I, I, we made that too obvious. It's been a long time since we've had a, a decent transition. Knock even, off that like, rust,
1: though. Calling it's it out. got to happen sometime. Or giving up halfway
0: through or just apologizing for a poor one. Oh, no, we but move on to our gospel this. reading. We oh. are excited about the gospel of talking about the Holy Spirit in the gospel. How about that?
1: Today's Gospel reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Kirk, we have these beautiful words here from John 14, where we've been for a few weeks now. Uh, and uh, this is next Sunday is is Trinity Sunday. And this is a deeply Trinitarian text uh, where Philip has this confusion where I, I don't know what makes him you know, he realizes uh, this is, of course, uh, the night of the Last Supper, and and Jesus has been talking about his departure. Um, John 14 begins with him saying, I'm going to go away um, to prepare a place for you um, so that where I am, you may come also, which, you know, the question is, well, how can we know where you're going? Um, how can we find our way there? And Jesus is like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, I'm the way that you get there, so don't, don't worry about that. I'm the way the truth and the life. And so, um, Jesus just told him he's going to leave. And so, so maybe Philip is just like overcome and he's just like, okay, I don't quite understand what you're saying, but show us the father. And, and that gives Jesus this occasion to, um, to teach about his unity with the father. Um, and I mean, there's, um, there are few some people who, uh, make the point, um, I guess it's not always critical. It goes both ways. Um, some people are critical of the doctrine of the Trinity. These might be either non-Christians or maybe Pentecostals who are like the oneness doctrine kind of people who say, well, the word Trinity occurs nowhere in the Bible. Um, but uh, also, Kirk, there are limits to uh, the Protestant doctrine of solo sola scriptura, right? And one of them is that like, it is clear in scripture um, the 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 doctrine of the Trinity is clear, right? Yes. And yet, um, the the limits of sola scriptura is that the the church is able to weigh in on these things on um, the church gathered together and to use words like the Trinity and to describe the nature of God upon, um, using the words of scripture. And uh, I I don't know, Kirk. You, you uh, before we clicked record, you're saying to me how it's your sense that uh, Pentecost of all of the principal feasts, that it's, it's not necessarily a high point in people's years. Um, and, uh, you, you're just making the comment. You weren't necessarily, um, it was just an observation. Yes. And I, and I just wonder if that's because people are, are, are wary of discussing the Holy spirit since it's like, well, we re- we realize we're not charismatics or pentecostals so we maybe want to avoid saying too much about it um and you know maybe as as uh, i don't know if, if you're kind of of northern european descent like it seems like the people who are really into talking about the holy spirit are a little bit too emotional and, and less cerebral um but i think there's a lot that we could say that is cerebral um and uh that that the spirit does not mean disorder um but uh so i think there's a lot that we can say about the Spirit. So. I'll say this um, uh, first, 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 let me finish this idea about the Trinity. Um, so Jesus is saying, uh, I'm going to go away. And when I do, I'm going to send another helper to be with you forever. the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, so there's this idea that um, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and um, in, I think it was two weeks ago that we were talking about how the Spirit teaches us, and that as, as wonderful as the presence of Christ was for the disciples, Jesus is making the uh, argument that it's going to be even better, because think about it, as Jesus was present with them, teaching them, they were still not understanding, Right. Mm -hmm. Where if he goes away and is with the father, he will send the spirit, which will teach us. Um, And this is this amazing thing that the spirit gives us clarity. Um, And we see this uh, throughout scripture. And uh, Kirk, we we have a choice of readings. Um, One of them uh, is that we can do the Old Testament reading from Genesis of the Tower of Babel. Because yes. on the day of Pentecost, we see a reversal of that, a disorder of, of the languages um, of, of disorder and misunderstanding yes. um, that is, that is uh, kind of knitted back together through on the day of Pentecost, where everyone hears in his own language. Kirk, we are not doing uh, the reading from Genesis um, to make room for the Acts reading and for the reading from 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, which is a wonderful reading. Um, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And this is an emphasis, Kirk, uh, oftentimes people uh, sometimes talk about the spirit as like a life hack, as this thing that is really useful of uh, forgetting that it is the actually a person of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, that it is, is a, um, a, a, that he is God, and he is to be worshipped um, with the Father and the Son, right, um, it, it is not a life hack, it is not this um, a bit of Harry Potter magic, where we can wave our wand and get things that are useful. Um, the or spirit a, or a power up, like when not a not a little. power up. And uh, in verse seven of First Corinthians twelve, uh, Paul writes that um, each of us is given the Holy Spirit, uh, given the manifestation of the Spirit. Sorry, for the common good. Mm, yes. So there are varieties of of gifts of the Spirit, but every but any of the gifts of the Spirit are all. For the common good. So, um, the utterance of wisdom or the utterance of knowledge, um, according to the same spirit, faith, uh, healing, uh, working of miracles, prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, each of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. But I started at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Uh, if we were to begin uh, at the beginning of that chapter, First Corinthians 4, um, it's one of those things where we kind of miss. Uh, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you are pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you are led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Okay, but here's the big point. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So compare that with the final verse of John 14, uh, of, of this reading, sorry, of, of so verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's my commentary, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus see that? You see the point that I'm trying to make here. Well, the the passage
0: that leaps to mind when you quote that no one can confess that Jesus is Lord except of the Holy Spirit is when uh, Peter um, says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living mm, God." Um, Jesus says, "This is what is what, how exactly did he say? This is not you, but this is this has been this 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 confession has, has been, been revealed given or given to has you. Has been revealed to you. That's right." Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, uh, it is not within our um it's not within our, our received fallen nature. It is not within the old Adam to confess um to confess God as our Lord and Savior.
1: Right. We naturally
0: right. confess ourselves as our Lord and Savior. And even as believing professing baptized Christians, um when we're stressed or pushed into a corner, we uh, we we almost always seek for our own solutions. It's interesting. I can figure this out, right? Um, but this is interesting. Um, Jesus is Lord um, that
1: yeah. that can only be confessed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit does does many things, and um, in a little bit, I'm going to pull out my my catechism and kind of read from the catechism. Um, and uh, I didn't pull up. I've, I have an old paper that I wrote where like I I just essentially isolated everything that scripture said about, um, the Holy spirit. Um, and, and I can read a little bit from that. Um, but as, as, as we contemplate the Trinity, um, this, uh, of verse 14 of John 14, John 14, 14, uh, is why we pray in Christ's name, um, that we pray to the father, um, in the name of the son through the Holy spirit. Um, and, you know, this is, this is why uh, I am emphatic that I, um, I got out of the bad habit uh, of saying, of praying in your name, uh, because I play, you know, when I, I pray to the Father, Father, and then I, I, there's my petitions, my praise, whatever that prayer may be, um, by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ's name um, is, is sort of the model that, that I use. And it's the model that, that is certainly in, in the prayers in our prayer book. And that, uh, that, that comes from this, um, from this passage here. So we have all sorts of uh, Trinitarian stuff. Um, and uh, the, the first Corinthians chapter 12, um, in fact, there's, it's not just 12, it's several chapters that, that Paul talks about. Um, essentially that we're, one of the things that the spirit does, it, it, it doesn't highlight us individually. Um, it is not like the force from Star Wars. It is not this like individual power that we wield. Um, for the sake of anything except the building up of the church. And therefore, any, anything that doesn't build up um, the unity of, of the church, um, uh, I mean, it, it, this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, closes, the last two verses go like this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink from one spirit so the spirit is is, is um the, the gifts of the spirit are are given for the building up of the church for the building up of the body and so um there are sometimes ostentatious displays of someone speaking in tongues and uh, paul asks in the next chapter verse 1 Corinthians 13 if Spike, if I could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a clanging gong, like it is fairly useless, right? If I have not love, that that, um, so love and unity, of uh, faith, hope, love, these these things, it's always important to read uh, these passages not as like what are the ways that that God has given me this this um, invisible force that's almost like Star Wars esque, right? Mm. Um, but instead to realize uh, the the purpose of building up the body. Um, that uh, Jesus says it's a good thing for me to go away because this, this, um, the spirit that dwells in you. And it's important also to remember that when this is taking place at the Last Supper. And this, this is also tied in, in into the Eucharist that we can experience Christ through the Holy Spirit in, in the Eucharist. And this yeah. is the thing that we've said time and time again is that we don't need to conjure up um, the presence of Jesus through emotional worship. Uh, emotional worship is a good thing. Um, but we don't need to conjure up the presence of Christ because Christ is objectively present um, when the church gathers. Um, he's objectively present in Holy Communion. Kirk, what do you see here in, in John 14? Oh, oh! before you say it. Okay. Uh, be- between these segments, can can you uh, use uh, Thomas Tallis's uh, If Ye Love Me? Done. Put that in somewhere in this episode. Thank you. Done.
0: This passage ought to feel familiar. That is because May 1st um, is the feast of St. Philip's and St. James, which we discussed, Christopher, Um, and the gospel for that passage (laughs) was John 14, verses 6 through 14. Um, Now, this is John 14, verses, what do we have? uh eight through fifteen. So 17 through 17. a lot of over a lot of overlap, right? And um this is always the gospel for Pentecost. So every year, year in, year out, um, this is the gospel. Um this is also there's a lot of overlap at overlap with the fifth Sunday of Easter in year A. Um so if you feel like you've encountered this recently um, you have. And that's okay. Um, but the, the portion of this gospel that we did not encounter um, early in the month, Christopher, were these last several verses, um, starting with, if you love me. But there's something, before we talk about the if you love me, um, there was something that uh, that we hadn't talked about last time we looked at the gospel, this gospel at the beginning of the month. Um, and that was the uh, the I am in the Father. Um, and I know we talked about how deeply Trinitarian this up, upper room discourse is. Um, he says uh, in verse 11, he says, believe in me that I am in the father and the father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Um, but I find this encounter uh, really rich and of important to, to maybe flesh out what this means. What does this mean? I am in the father. Well, um, we confess that. Uh, at every service, whether it's the daily office in the, uh, in the Apostles' Creed or Holy Communion in the Nicene Creed, um, we confess that Jesus is one with the Father in essence, right? The Nicene Creed says of one being with the Father, or co-substantial with the Father, right? But also the words that I speak, right? So one with the Father in speech, that is revelation, right? What Jesus reveals and what the Father reveals are the same so what does that mean about the old and new testament christopher um those things which were revealed to the hebrews in torah and those things which jesus reveals to the disciples in the gospels are they different i am in the father right they we are one in speech we are one in revelation um uh, let's see the words that I say to you. I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father. Right. So one in speaking, um, and then we also see uh, we also see one in action, right? Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So the Father and the Son are one in um, in in their mission and their purpose. That is the salvation of all mankind. The point of the incarnation is the same thing as the point of creation that man would be in perfect union and through Christ in perfect reconciliation with the source of our being, God. So I just love that. Um, there, there, uh, there is a movement that has bedeviled, that has dogged the church. Uh, it's called Arianism, and it's not like eight, 19th century American racism, but rather named after a, a, a Roman, Roman theologian, Arius. Um, that suggests that there was maybe some daylight between the Son and the Father, right that, that Jesus was firstborn of all creation, not of one being with the Father, um, but yet but yet the most beloved of all created beings. Um, and we see here, just in this gospel, you can't believe that John no. is the inspired Word of God and read this passage right here um, and and continue to confess any sort of Aryan understanding of Jesus. And, and we'll speak kind of more, more, more painfully and more plainly. Um, Arianism does have millions of adherents in the form of um, the Church of Latter-day Saints, that is Mormons, um, uh, in, in the form of, um, uh, drawing a blank, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witness, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know enough about Seventh-day Adventism, so I'm not gonna say anything about that. But um, But we see here, uh, a, 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 an incredibly tight uh, relationship between Jesus and the Father, and then he pivots in verse 15 to then promise the Holy Spirit. Right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, well, what what does what does that have to do with anything? What does hmm. that have to do with anything? Well, I think Christopher, it's the if you love me. So immediately after faith, right? John keeps saying. You and I banged on about this for the last couple months, right? Um, John says, the, the the point of me writing all of this is that you may believe, and by believing, having have new life in Jesus, right? So, if you believe, that is, you love him, right? And the fruit of faith is love and holiness, right? Good works. The fruit of faith is love and holiness. Well, then keep my commandments, right? Um, do all those things which I have taught you. This is very similar, right, to the um, the ascension in Matthew, right? um uh keeping keeping all things which i've commanded and baptizing in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit right very very similar final commandment and in my absence loving me and keeping my commandments i will pray the father and he will give you another helper Uh, and we've talked before about this we don't have to bang on upon uh, about what paraclete is but he'll give you another comforter, this Greek Greek word, it could be, right, advocate, or instructor, or even encourager, I love that, man, I need another encourager, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, like, huge stretches of my life, where I I feel, I feel, kind of low, like, like, I need my own personal encourager, and I'll ask the Father, uh, I, I already read that, another, right, for Christ himself was the first one, right, Mm-hmm. So we don't just have one comforter, right? Uh, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all comforters, encouragers, advocates, guides, right? Um, to remain with you forever. And that is the best part. Um, because there, there can sometimes feel like uh, when we celebrate Ascension, like Ascension is the end of something. Um, and it's hard, right? Because we can see Jesus. And we are inherently relational creatures. And so like Jesus is a person, that's God is a person. Man, I like that version of God um, and I do, right? And the Holy Spirit's more intangible, right? A rushing wind, um, like an intangible presence to guard, guide and preserve the faith and the church to build up the body, um, to kind of encourage and strengthen, strengthen gifts. That sounds like a subtle intangible thing that works over the course of lives, generations, decades, millennia, right? Um, that's more intangible, but by faith, we know that it is there. And um, and so it's just great. I think this is a great passage full of encouragement and hope.
1: Yeah, Kirk, there's, um, Paul says something very interesting in Second Corinthians 1 about um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that it's in verse 22, that the Holy Spirit has uh, put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a Guarantee. Mm. Yeah, think of a guarantee as as like a down payment on a loan, right, and a promise of things to come. And as um, in our lectionary, we've been walking through the the Book of Revelation, which culminates in Revelation twenty two, um, where we we see things remade. We see a new heaven and a new earth, which isn't the best translation. It's more like a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. Um, and there's this declaration. Um, that the dwelling place of God is with man, and so, like, God declares this, and then heaven descends to earth, and there's this meeting between this new heavens and the new earth. Um, because the the dwelling place of God is not to be away from us, but since um, sin entered the world in the garden, um, we who were meant for communion and for uh, uh, interactive relationship with God, um, do not get that because of our sin. And so Christ uh, has already accomplished for us what we could never do for ourselves. Um, but until we await this, um, coming again in glory, uh, Christ's return and the descending of God, the father, um, we are only able to experience the father and the son through the work of the Holy spirit. Um, apart from the Holy spirit, there'd be no union with Christ no communion with the father um, but we do get to experience the father and the son through the spirit which i mean it's 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 a real thing that gives us comfort and helps us experience god but also it's it's a trinitarian statement um which is is something that uh that we need to not only believe but like you know worship all three persons of, of the trinity
0: yeah um have have i ever this is this is just a brief tangent but I'm amused by this. Um, that that great that great verse from Revelation 21: Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man.
1: Is that 21? Sorry to have yep. that, get that wrong. Yep. Okay,
0: yep. No, I wasn't subtly correcting you. I wasn't. <laughs> that, that was not a passive aggressive thing. Um, the Revised Standard Version, uh, in a um, in, in, in in a panic, um, to kind of avoid gendered language, says behold, the dwelling place of God is with mortals,
1: mm, which yeah.
0: what are the mortals that will be alive? then at that point, that's one of my fun Bible trivia, Bible translation trivias for you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing about translations is, is um, that is you know, not true. It's the literally translated. God will not
0: be with mortals. <laughs> It'll be with immortals.
1: <laughs> it's true. And, uh, but, but it's trying to take away the, the, the gender you know specific um where uh a, a, a real translation is man but it doesn't mean just uh you know males no i'm not grinding axes i'm just, I yeah, was yeah, just pointing yeah. out
0: a humorous result like yeah it ends up yeah
1: because c- c- like they're because we're more contrary to the truth yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um any final thoughts christopher on uh this um this on this text, rich and thick passage from john 14 i have final thoughts that will fit into our next segment So our theology segment today is uh simply on Pentecost and um the event, the implications, and all that. So that's that's why I ended the last segment by <laughs> talking about how things are going to kind of spill over into, into here. So, but let's first um start with uh the event, Kirk. Uh do you want to read from Acts two? I,
0: I would love to. Um so the the standard text, the standard new testament not new testament it's not even an epistle i guess right the it's reading not, no. from acts 2 is uh, 1 through 21 that is often read and we're just going to i'm just going to read 1 through 11 and we can we can reference the rest um when the day of pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language, Parthians and Medes and Alamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And I kind of feel like uh, reading the entire passage now, Christopher. Go on. (laughs) And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, saying, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, even on my male servants and my female servants in those days i will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the moon shall be turned to darkness and the blood and the moon to blood the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the lord comes the great and magnificent day And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: So that is the standard lesson um, that is read. Um, Usually the second lesson, the first being, uh, as you said, the Tower of Babel, that would be the second lesson of the day. And then the third lesson Um, is always the gospel which we just looked at so christopher you wanted to use this to kind of kick off a discussion of pentecost um it's meaning our current observances um and thoughts and observations about those things
1: yeah um and uh i i love uh i love luke um he's got a little bit of overlap in his uh in his work so we have uh luke who wrote the gospel of luke but also acts and um the kind of uh there, there's uh he feels like retelling some of the story in both we see the ascension in both um and yes. we see this command right before the ascension um jesus said in luke 24 49 jesus said behold i am sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high and then in Acts, um we have uh, the same thing uh where uh, Jesus, uh, the reason they're together um, is they're waiting for this gift of, of power from on high. Um, I'm trying to find where he says that here. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so they are together on, um, in chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, and um, we've got the uh, the imagery uh, of the Holy Spirit as as both wind, but also tongues of divided tongues of fire, and so uh, although it's Whit Sunday, White Sunday, um, our color is red, right? Um, for uh, for Sunday, and um, and uh, I, I do want to talk just a little bit more about um, the Holy Spirit Himself, Kirk. Um, when we have ordinations the color is red um yes. and uh and we always sing or chant this anthem this come holy spirit Vene come holy creator.
0: ghost yes yeah yeah
1: um and uh part of that text is talking about the sevenfold gifts should i quiz you kirk and ask you to, to list the seven gifts I, i've already oh, listed them gosh. on the podcast i've already no i'm kidding kirk um I've already listed them in the podcast, and so I'm just going to open up um, our the Anglican Catechism uh, to page 48. um, Answers 88, 89, 90, and 91, which uh, is just a synthesis of of Scripture. Um, 88. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? The Scriptures teach that by repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven my sins. And I receive the Holy Spirit who gives me new birth in Christ and frees me from the power of sin. Uh, And if you are curious, um, let me know. I could give you the scripture um, citations. There are many of them that they use to synthesize that. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, Kirk, is the very um, character Jesus developing in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that list um, that we see in Galatians 5, 22 through 25 is this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the sevenfold gifts, and and that's not limiting them, but there's seven that are listed in uh, first. uh,
0: Well, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are in Isaiah, right? Isaiah 11.
1: Uh, that could be, but Paul lists them as well. And I'll just read um, what the, the catechism says. Among the many gifts of the Holy Spirit named in the New Testament are faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, other languages or tongues, the interpretation of other languages, and words of wisdom and knowledge. The Spirit distributes gifts to individuals as he wills for the sake of... The body of Christ. And of course, that comes from what I mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Other gifts in the New Testament include administration, service, encouragement, evangelism, teaching, giving, leadership, and mercy. And Jesus promises that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And Kirk, every time I I preach, I ask for the Holy Spirit to be given to us anew, um, both to me and and to the congregation. Uh, Why does the Holy Spirit give us such gifts? Is the last question and answer. The Holy spirit equips and empowers believers with gifts for service in the worship of Jesus Christ for the building up of his church and for witness and mission to the world. And so we, we talk about um, this idea of prevenient grace of, of the spirit going before us in evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, it, it is uh, that we um, do the work that we are called to do, but it's only God through the spirit um, that the changes hearts that turns hearts towards him. Um, and so even uh there's so many harmful things taught about evangelism, one of which is there's a small tradition of Christians who will write um in the cover inside cover of their Bible the people that quote unquote they have converted. Um, and uh that's not only an inaccurate way, but that's discouraging for those of us uh who maybe um haven't identified a bunch of people that we have done that work to convert because it's disempowering rather than saying, well, we do what we're called to do. And it's God who makes disciples, um, and changes, uh, changes hearts. And so trust, trust the spirit, listen to the spirit, um, pray for the spirit's prompting and guiding. Um, and, and, you know, Paul in, in, uh, just to read, uh, from Ephesians, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And he writes Mm. in Romans that the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And, um, so Paul, uh, writing to, uh, the church in Ephesus, um, he asked them, he says, be, be filled with the Holy spirit, Kirk, that's something we should seek as well. Um, knowing yes. that the spirit already is dwelling in us, we should also continue to seek, um, just this, this, um, further, uh, indwelling of the spirit.
0: Yeah. So this is, let, let me not say this in contradiction at all to anything that you have said. But rather, uh, but rather, in addition, um, the, the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit um, are, are often linked with Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, okay. that say this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And then it lists. Right Uh, attributes of the spirit, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And so when you see uh, gifts of the spirit being listed as wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord, that's where that list comes from. And there's no reason for 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 the, those two gifts of the spirits to be mutually exclusive. As you were reading from the New Testament, I mean, they, they clearly overlap. You see, you see the picture of what um, holiness and the indwelling of holiness, the holiness of God, the holiness of the Spirit, um, does um, ought to do to our hearts. So um, that's great, Christopher. You want to know something? I've noticed for the first time this year about What's Pentecost. That? What's that? um pentecost is a word that for me and i think for a lot of believers that are active in the church achieves semantic satiation semantic Hmm. satiation is when a word just becomes its syllables and kind of loses content and you can you can experience this if you take any word and and repeat it a bunch of times so i remember as a kid i must might have been second grade or third grade i said the word country and i noticed i'd said it like 10 times And it suddenly lost all content, and it was just sound. And I I remember noticing the phenomenon, and it was only later as an adult. I was like, oh, there's actually a term for this uh, psychological effect, semantic satiation. Well, Pentecost is that for me, and here's how I know that that is so. I never ask myself or check, like, hey, what was it that they were doing there in Jerusalem, right? Yeah, all these Jews from across the Roman Empire, what were they doing there? It was a Jewish feast. And you pray you you probably know the Hebrew shavout is that how you say it shavout
1: shavout I I'm not sure doesn't I matter. precisely how to it, say it I mean and
0: yeah. I'm not it doesn't matter for our purposes it does matter right. I think it's important to get things right but it was a, a Thanksgiving what a first fruits but it became feast, feast Yen- of weeks
1: yeah, yeah yeah
0: associated with just a, in a greater sense a remembrance and a Thanksgiving of the law given by God to Moses on Sinai oh well isn't that interesting. At the Pentecost at Sinai in the Old Testament, Christopher, um, we see this grand manifestation of God to Moses, right? Shining, resplendent, Moses's face is resplendent coming down from the mountain, right? Um, so we have the legal manifestation of God there. Well, now here with the Holy Spirit, we have fire on the on the, on the heads of uh, the uh, the apostles. We have the evangelical manifestation of God with good news right the legal and the evangelical manifestations of God the terrible and the merciful right so I'm not making a Marcion point that the Old Testament God was was terrible and legal and judgment in the New Testament God is 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 merciful and and humane um but rather um I mean th- th- those two are both characteristics of God um and we should be grateful for his incarnation in Jesus and his coming in the Holy Spirit, because now we do have mercy through, um, through God's saving acts in his life and in the church, right? Um, so in some ways, we have bookends here with the first Pentecost and the second, right, on Sinai and then here in Jerusalem. Again, uh, I don't know, your, your biblical geography might be better than I. Um, uh, um, I mean, Jerusalem is on a hill, right? So again, we have parallels as well, I'm making gestures as if like the listener can see my je- gesturing bookends, but, um, but this is obviously, I think, intentional. Um, uh, uh, a thing that God began on Sinai, he is now completing here, right? We have this, this final manifestation of himself in the outpouring, um, not just to the 12 tribes at the base of Sinai, but now to all humanity.
1: Every in, nation in, under heaven. Right.
0: Yes. Cappadocia and Libya and Cretans. Isn't that the best one? Cretans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Those from Crete. So. Not
1: not to be, yeah. Not to be, you know, mistaken for, you know, the uh, insult. You're a Cretan, you know. Yeah.
0: So that, that was T A N, not T-I-N. Yeah. That was um, kind of my, my new textual observation um, this year. Do you have any other kind of textual thoughts before we kind of talk about um i know we had wanted to talk about pentecost in the life of the church and in the life of believers
1: yeah t- just the text um uh in entirety of of acts 2 um and it's it's funny that like i know people who get tired of reading acts i'm like what right. come on like are, are you kidding me like this it's amazing like uh, i it's yeah, i love acts and i kid i i never tire of reading through it but as we look at the whole of chapter 2 um we see not only um, the, the rushing of wind, uh, the appearance of, of, um, of divided tongues of flame, um, and, you know, people, uh, pre- preaching and people hearing in their own language, uh, that's followed by Peter's sermon. And, uh, Peter's sermon is very interesting. I just think it's interesting to have an apostle, uh, preach and to be able to have like this in scripture. Yeah yeah and the the sermon is essentially this um this jesus uh whom you crucified is lord of all and uh repent and believe and um through the power of the holy spirit three people um they were cut to the heart and uh believed and were baptized and added to um to the church that day and and uh that's verse 41 and of kirk i bet I'm not going to test this because I don't, don't. I hate when I like hand things to you and embarrass <laughs> you. I don't try to embarrass you, but I bet you know Acts two forty two. Uh, it's this famous verse. And um, they devoted,
0: and uh, they devoted themselves to what to each other, to the prayers and to okay.
1: Just, just stop, 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 stop to the apostles' teaching. Okay, and to the fellowship, <laughs> and to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. <laughs> I got the prayers. I got the prayers, you got the okay? prayers. Um, and, and you know for for many of us this is like anglican worship we, we talk about um apostles teaching what is that scripture yeah. um the, the fellowship the, the breaking yeah. of of the bread is is holy communion and the prayers um th- that is very specific uh, liturgical meaning the 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 jewish prayers of, of the day um that they knew they, they, and, um, and then what, what, uh, what follows is they had all things in common and this beautiful image of, of uh, even it's not, it's not utopian because we have Ananias and Sapphira, um but uh, we have this image of, of the new church that is flourishing and growing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And and I love it. So how about um, observation, Kirk, what you were saying before we recorded was that uh, we do a great job of celebrating the incarnation in Christmas. Um, and, you know, we have a season of preparation, uh, that comes before that we have 12 days of Christmas. Um, and, and even it builds on that with, uh, the revelation of Christ to the nations on epiphany and, and so on. We also have this, these 40 days of preparation for Easter. Um, and then we have 50 days of celebrating Easter. Um, but you made the comment that like in practice, like we don't, uh, celebrate Pentecost all that well say more yeah. about that
0: uh so, so part of it is an accident like no one was conspiring in some church council saying like right i will i wonder which great principal feast of the church we can slowly shove to the side um i think it was an accident uh, a lot of fun cultural traditions trick you into celebrating christmas celebrating the incarnation so that's great and then we attach happy memories to it and we anticipate it because of that and we get with these hymns
1: peace on earth and earth and mercy mild who doesn't get warm feels when they sing that
0: yes and likewise with epiphany right we have wise men um and 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 we love that um easter you just mentioned a really good point like lent creates a great deep yearning in our hearts for easter then we celebrate it for 40 days right and we have all these different resurrection appearances um all saints day i think has had a major comeback it probably never went away in in, in Catholic land. But in Protestant circles, I, I, I get the sense that had a major comeback and is, and is celebrated even in, in fairly like lowish church Methodist circles and Presbyterian circles um, because it's an opportunity to kind of recognize that we are larger um, than the people we mm. see in our pews on a Sunday, that we are one body across time and space. We are the church militant triumphant. And that is reassuring. Um, it gives you a chance to honor um, those the faithful departed, um, and, and that, that is important for many of us as well. Um, so uh, other principal feast day, Trinity, Trinity Sundays, I know in Protestant land, um, gives people a chance to have flame wars about doctrine. <laughs> so like uh, maybe, maybe it doesn't give people the warm feels, but people kind of get up for it and yell at each other for not confessing the Athanasian Creed. You know, you know what I'm talking about on social media every year in yeah. June. Be like you guys aren't real christians for not confessing the athanasian creed they're not wrong just kidding but you should um and uh and pentecost i like i don't know i, I was mentioning to you before and this was a little bit of hyperbole but before we hit record like is there anyone um you know on saturday night um excited or having trouble sleeping or kind of uh um, maybe having fasting or doing a prayer vigil um, which that happens before all these other other feast days, right? Um, there are vigil services before all these other feast days, not not Trinity Sunday, but these other major feast days. Um, and I just feel like somehow in Pentecost, this this enormously life-giving event, right? The birth of the church and some of our our, our cornier brothers and sisters were literally saying happy birthday to you. Do you know about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're literally saying happy birthday to you, which it's corny, but they're not wrong, Right um this is the beginning of the church um and 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 yet like we'll wear a nice red where we have it and it'll look lovely for a day um part of it might it might be as simple as like there aren't any pentecost bangers like not great hymns like there are for christmas and easter um and i think we can we can work on that but i don't know i don't know so i'm just i'm throwing all that out there it's it's strange to me and i think um, I, I think this should be something that's joyfully anticipated and celebrated. Um, certainly the apostles did, right? The pattern is laid out for us at the Ascension. Jesus says, go and wait. And then we have this period of waiting between the Thursday of the Ascension and then the Sunday. We have those those 10 days. So the pattern is there, right? So I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't have anything novel. Um, but yeah, I think that that could be a devotional thing, um, uh, to to um mark time just as the disciples did. Uh, that's that's something that we are, are that we commonly do. Um, so just as the disciples waited to be clothed with power on high, of course, we've already received that power from on high. We've received this gift of the Holy Spirit. But um, to think of of uh, the departure of Christ and the anticipation, um to remember that and and to evermore uh, just, uh, celebrate, appreciate, um, our communion with God, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I I think that could be a a powerful thing, um, were we to do that together. And that, I mean, that starts with you and me, uh, kind of cajoling, uh, those around us to, um, do better, uh, in, uh, well, you don't necessarily need to do better. I need to do better in, um, calling people to, to mark the ascension as, as we, um, see Christ, um, return to his throne and glory, um, yeah. as a, a, an unfolding of this gospel, um, that Christ, uh, was, uh, he emptied himself and became born as a, a drooling baby, um, and in the Ascension, he, he returned to his throne in glory um, so that he could give us the, the spirit um, as, as part of this plan um, to save us from sin and death.
0: I wonder if part of it, I, I have just a practical thought, and then I have a, a galaxy brain tag here. Um, I, I wonder if part of it is just uh, we don't necessarily roll out our best. We're just not in the habit of rolling out our best the way we do at Christmas and Easter. Um So kind of uh, musically preparing a long time in advance for our best choirs doing their best stuff Um, uh, like incense, we have incense at Christmas and Easter. Why don't we have incense on uh, on on Pentecost? Hmm. I don't don't know. I don't know that, you know, maybe we probably should, right? I don't know. So that's that's just a practical thought.
1: And Um, it's kind of packed Kirk. I mean, within Uh, a very short period of time we have three principal feasts we have uh, ascension pentecost and trinity sunday
0: yeah this should be uh yeah this should be um super fun right like we're festal and we're yeah we have this like uh what would it it be within 17 days uh is that right
1: i think that's right that's what i was thinking initially and then i doubted my math so i didn't say 17 (laughs) um 10 plus 7 plus 7 right right so here's that's my not galaxy. 17. It's
0: 24. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you and your math. All right. So uh, here's my galaxy brain take. All right. I think we wonder in the back of our head. It's
1: 17. Re- <laughs> it <is> seven. <laughs> There's no plus seven. It's just <laughs> 10 plus seven. There's 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost and then seven between I'm sorry. Uh, I immediately took over. your
0: rebuke and just went on with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, here's start my over. galaxy
0: brain take. Yes. Know, brain I brain wonder hands. if we don't have a sense in the back of our head, a sheepish sense that when we read these texts from Acts, uh, and 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 we uh, we're wearing our glorious celebratory red, fest our festal red. Um, if we're not if we're wondering, are we LARPing? Are we are we are we play acting? I wonder if it just feels so unreal. The rushing wind, the flames of, tire, mm. of fire, the fire, um, the the evangelical outpouring in all these languages of of the good news, of the gospel. I wonder if we're a little sheepish. We're like, ah, it doesn't feel like that's happening now. It doesn't feel real.
1: I don't know. I don't. Kirk, know. I mean, it's those cessationists, man. Um, those people who, and and to be fair, I think some church fathers were cessationists who believed that. Um, who was it that I was reading the other day who was like, yeah, that was just for the apostolic age. Um, and yet you, you see testimonies of people in, um, in more traditional cultures, um, where there is an expectation of the spirit moving in miraculous ways Mm -hmm. where they pray and are expectant of the spirit to work in that way. And uh, there are testimonies of that, in fact, yeah. happening. Of I mean, you miraculous read, things.
0: You read accounts of the church everywhere and anywhere up until the United States in the last hundred years, and it is constant. Miracles are constantly yeah. a part of the church in yeah. life. So, yeah, yeah that—that's a so um, da, different discussion for another. Pray part, with expectation. Pray with expectation. Yeah, pray, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there are practical things we could do. And then also devotional things to do, we could do pray with pray with expectation. Um, there, it's it's hard because there aren't cultural practices. It usually it usually occurs right around the letting out of school, which is a grand exhaling for most families, and when things get more casual. Instead of right, so think about Christmas how it dovetails with kind of what ha- what's happening in the culture. Um, all the like. Every school is having a concert. It's a time of great happenings. Um, and then, the, then, then Christmas is the climax of that. Um, usually families, by the end of the year, people are, by the end of the school year, by the end of May or June, depending upon in the church year when Pentecost arrives, I think people have kind of nothing left in the tank. I wonder if, I wonder if there's that as well. So hmm. the sense of winding up for some great celebration because there aren't, there aren't like home traditions. Around right. Pentecost, are there? Like, none of us make like red craft f- flames and like make headbands and like...
1: Pentecost cookies and right? You know... Yeah,
0: yeah. There's no Pentecost cookie baking and baking session. So I don't know.
1: We are having the a Pentecost dying of, of Pentecost eggs. You're having a barbecue? Pentecost
0: barbecue. Did you hear that? Yeah. So we're using fireman. Holy smokes! Yeah. It is. Yeah. Holy smokes! That's what we should have called it. Mm.
1: We should have called it mm. that. Missed opportunity, Kirk. And you, you, I know that you love the uh, the King James uh, uh, language of the Holy Ghost. I love uh, the
0: King James Holy Ghost, yes.
1: Yeah,
0: any Bring other final thoughts, Christopher? No, this is a very postmodern segment. We only have questions, no answers. <laughs> how, how, how very, how very millennial of you? I don't know, that's unfair. That's not even millennial. <laughs>
1: Shall we close in prayer, Kirk? Let, let's, uh, let's do that. The Lord be with you
0: and with your spirit.
1: Let us pray. Almighty God, on this day, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew that by preaching but that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a ju- right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk.
0: Next week. Mm.